let's take a look at health and well-being. Joining us right now, our naturopath, Peter Mullen, and the topic today is understanding anxiety. Yeah, Dave, like the, the, it's a big, big catchword these days, stress, and you know everyone's feeling stressed. But 20 years ago, literally, if you'd been to see a GP and said you were feeling stressed, you would have been told there was no such thing. So in 20 years, we've come a long way in recognizing you know, mental health. So anxiety is a good topic for today. Now, Peter, it seems like more and more people are suffering with issues of anxiety. Yeah, look, I, I would agree with that, Dave. Like when, when, again, I first started in practice 25 years ago, um, it was just the early days of people starting to talk about stress. You know, in those days, if you went to a GP or a naturopath and no one, we didn't know what was wrong, we'd say, you've probably got a virus. So that's transformed into, you know, it's probably stress-related. But anxiety was definitely less talked about, and, you know, the treatment was pretty heavy-duty medication so in those days. Has lifestyle changed that much since the 70s, and that, 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 that's why it's impacting so much with anxiety? Yeah, I think, I, think life's, I think it's lifestyle. I think it's just the pace of life these days. You know, like we talk about stresses, you know, being um, traumatic episodes that happen in your life, but I think the bigger problem with stress and anxiety is that unrelenting unremitting pace that the fact that we're just all so busy all the time mm. so i think we already run it like an eight out of ten and then when a crisis or something happens on top i think that's enough then to push us into that you know sphere of diagnose of or diagnosis of anxiety and maybe depression as well so what are some of the signs and the symptoms how do you know that you have anxiety well it's one of the one of those things i remember actually when i was probably in my early 20s i'd been away on a holiday for 12 months with a mate and um travel around australia and then came back and i remember a period in my life where wherever i went somewhere that i ran into someone i knew i'd get really like anxious and i didn't know what was going mm -hmm. on i recognize now it was probably what we'd call social anxiety disorder and it probably lasted for me for about 18 months to two years but why was that you must have did something did you do a few <laughs> things that were, oh hang on no I don't, I don't know i don't know why why it sort of happened but i know I used to, if I went out to a party or something. Oh, I'd, I can't talk to him. Yeah, oh, but once, I, once I'd get there, I'd settle down. So um, I think it's, it's probably, anxiety is probably something that everybody will experience to some degree at some point. Have you ever experienced anxiety yourself? No, not me. No. No, no. okay. <laughs> we'll explore that later. I just roll with the punches. You know? <laughs> so general symptoms include things like a, a feeling of excessive, an excessive amount of fear or worry, um, a sense of dread. Yes. So one of my clients I was talking to um, yesterday said that, you know, for her, she said she just always feel like something terrible is going to happen. And what causes that is that the, the body is overproducing those stress hormones. And those stress hormones like that we need for the fight or flight response are fine mm. if there's a crisis. But you don't want that being turned on all the time. Um, so for her, it was like her nervous system was always thinking there was something terrible was going to happen. Um, so if you have a lot of insecurities, you'd, you'd have anxiety. Oh, well, see, it goes both ways. If you've got anxiety, you'll also have insecurities. Because mm. it's the interesting thing. When someone's having experienced anxiety, you can't access the rational part of your brain. Yeah. Because that, that response, that initial fight or flight response is designed, if you're in the jungle, come across a tiger, it's that surge of adrenaline to wrestle the tiger or climb the nearest tree. Mm. With anxiety, it's like your body's primed for that all the time. So... Your brain doesn't want to think rationally. Okay, I'm being anxious here. I'm being silly. I need to think differently. You just literally stay stuck in that vicious loop of... So these panic attacks that we hear about, are they the ultimate in anxiety? For a lot of people, that's the crescendo. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people have that sense of underlying fear or panic all the time, and then it'll be heightened by 
an event or so they can just be sitting relaxing on the lounge. I've had patients that you know will get a panic attack even with no obvious trigger. So it's a, it's a it's an abnormal functioning of the way the nervous system responds. So what can happen to you if you're having a panic attack? Well, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Think of it think of it this way: like anxiety is a bit like you know driving the car and you you know your accelerator works. Mm. So if you put a bit of pressure on, you'll get a bit of petrol. Car will speed up. People with anxiety, it's like they go to put their foot on the accelerator and the accelerator drops flat to the floor and the engine's just over revving and you just got to hang on and try and mm. you know ride it out. So symptoms for uh, for a panic attack can include chest pain, palpitations. Um, I've had patients that start to go numb around mm. their mouth or their mouth actually goes blue because they start to hyperventilate and upset the oxygen carbon dioxide balance. Um, they can become really obsessive about stuff. Like uh, one of the early signs of, or one of the signs of anxiety is obsessive compulsive disorder where when someone's more stressed or anxious, they'll have to wash their hands mm. every five minutes or... Have you ever locked the door and then had to go back and check the doors being locked? And that's just old age in my memory. Days, I think. <laughs> oh, the garage well, doors that open. Could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, with you, that could be old age. So, but. is medication the only real answer, or is there some other ways to cope? No, I'm going to talk about that a bit later on. Yeah. But there's a lot of um, a lot of help for people with anxiety. And um, but the first step is for, for for a lot of patients I've seen with anxiety, the first step is just coming to terms with the fact that you do have an anxiety problem. Yeah. And a lot of my patients will say that their first step is you have to learn to live with anxiety first before you can get better management of it. But it only seems to be some people. Well, there's lots of reasons, and I'll go into that in a little while, about who may be more predisposed. But a lot of people that have anxiety, their mum had anxiety or their oh, dad had anxiety. Okay. or So it does run so it could family. be genetic. Uh, there's definitely a familial link. And we need to be thinking, and this is where... You know, I don't even like the word mental health because it still connotes the old model of, you know, if someone's got a mental health issue, you know, they're weak or they can't cope or they... But we need to think of anxiety as the same as people that get migraines. Mm. You know, if someone gets migraines, we don't think to them, well, come on, just be more positive and you won't get a migraine. It's the same with anxiety. If you're a, a true anxiety sufferer, no amount of positive talk is going to stop you having anxiety you need to get to the root cause of what's causing your anxiety as we continue to chat about anxiety today and dave as we were saying before um it's anxiety is definitely getting recognized more as being a a problem you know the world health organization you know not long back was saying that our failure failure to tackle depression anxiety is costing the world nearly a one trillion dollars a year in lost productivity as well as causing an enormous amount of human misery Mm. So finally, anxiety is getting the recognition that it deserves as a health condition in the same way we'd view migraines or same way we'd view, you know, osteoarthritis in the knee like it is. It's a, it's a, um, so is there different types of anxiety? Yeah, different types. As I was talking before, I'm sure when I was younger, I experienced a bit of social anxiety. And that was, you know, based around an experiencing intense fear of being criticized, embarrassed or humiliated. Um, and I reckon that lasted me about 18 yeah, months. And, yeah. and the way I'd get around it is if I was going to a party, I'd try and have a couple of beers before I went. So, you know, with anxiety, a lot so of times you've we really come out of you, You've come out of your shell because you're on the radio <laughs> now. How many drinks do you have before you come on the air? Like? Well, mate, I don't need to drink coming on the radio because I know you're going to be here. And that bright, I'll drink enough that for bright, both of us. That yeah. brightens my day, so yeah. I'm all good. Yeah, okay. Um, generalized, generalized anxiety disorder or GAD, and this is people that, you know, this is when you've definitely got an anxiety problem that's with you all the time, feeling anxious on most days and excessively worried for a period of six months or more. 
um, panic disorder we've talked about, and this is where people can get um, you know symptoms of, of panic attacks, overwhelming pain, panic attacks, uncontrollable feelings of anxiety, shortness of breath, heart palpitation, chest pain. A lot of people can end up in um, hospital. Okay. You know, with symptoms of having a heart attack and, you know, being told that it's most likely a panic attack that you've had. Um, specific phobias are a type of anxiety. You know, do you have any phobias? No. No? No, not really. Coming no. to work? No. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for that one, there. <laughs> um, and even, you know, people going to great lengths to avoid a situation like flying and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder can be a sign of anxiety. Um, and post traumatic stress disorder. You know, after a traumatic event, people can experience difficulty relaxing, upsetting dreams or flashbacks. Um, and, you know, an area where in, in our day when kids were anxious, we used to call them shy. Mm. You know, when, when kids yeah. would hang around their mum's legs. Bashful or, shy. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when we sort of start to see anxiety really is shyness is really that overwhelming sense yeah, of yeah. don't look at me, righty yeah, rah. Yeah. But one area where that I've got a growing concern where we're seeing more anxiety is with our kids. Yeah. You know, being diagnosed with anxiety and depression, you know, from much earlier ages. Um, now, causes of anxiety, we were talking about this before. There's no single cause of anxiety, but a number of risk factors. Um, biochemical factors, definitely, you know, where there's a family history of anxiety type conditions. You know, I'd see that really a lot. Um, lately, or probably the last couple of years, I'm seeing a lot of young girls come into the office with digestive issues, irritable mm. bowel type stuff, mm. and anxiety. Yeah. So again, anxiety and gut issues go together. And a lot of these young girls are high achievers, going to uni, trying to work part-time. Um, personality. Is it that they're not having a, like a standard meal? They're not eating properly? Could that lead to it? Or because uh, they're so rushed doing these things? Yeah, yeah, I think that, look, there's a whole, whole heap of things involved with it. You know, like I think our, our youth these days is a bit more sensitive to stress maybe than what we were as well. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like it's a combination of factors. Personality traits. You know, perfectionists are more likely to suffer anxiety. Like I see a lot of um, HSC kids every year. And this is where it's challenging because they all come in suffering from stress and anxiety. And Mm. it's a fine-edged sword because I say, well, really, to be a high achiever, you've got to have almost a little bit of anxiety to get you there. Mm. So that's where anxiety can be challenging. Is it, for some kids, it's hard to do well with. Well, with my overachieving, I just call it drive. A little bit more drive to, little, to push to be the best. Absolutely, and I, sometimes, I, sometimes I do, you know. it is in the way we describe these terms yeah. as well. Um, unrelenting stress in your daily life, like where where life really is busy all the time. Um, mm. Chronic physical illness, another can be another cause of anxiety. You know, it's been linked to things like diabetes. We see a lot of it with IBS, where people will also have anxiety. So you mentioned asthma. that it, it can be genetic, so it's passed down through the generations. Yeah. Why is it only really being looked at now? Like, as we mentioned back in the 70s and the 60s, well, you it, said there's it, no... Doctors said medications... I, no think, I think our health's changed. My yeah. theory is our health's changed quite a lot the last few generations. Yeah. You yeah. know, I always say you only need to look at our kids' health these days and how complicated that is yeah yeah you know things like autism used to be one in ten thousand now it's like one in a hundred or something ridiculous Mm. like our kids health has deteriorated yeah and i think for lots of different reasons and i think that's why we're probably we're probably a lot more on the ball these days as well Mm. for sure but i think that that there's there's an increase in these sorts of conditions see you don't get it like you used to back the 60s or 70s you go you visit your doctor and he's smoking a pipe you know those those days it's not the same anymore is it you know well i tell i tell you a funny story i did a talk a couple of years back to a group of high school principals up the valley and um 
we were talking and it was on, I was talking on stress and, you know, work-life balance and, you know, all of those sorts of, these, these areas that we're talking about now. And one of the ladies said to me that, you know, in her early days as a teacher, she went along to her doctor saying that she was stressed. And the doctor then said, you know, have you ever considered taking up smoking? It's good to calm your nerves. <laughs> so thank goodness we've, we've actually come a long way yeah. in understanding. 360 on that one. That's yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. Now, what can we do about it? Well, there's a lot of things we can do about it. Will we leave that for the next section? Yeah, yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a couple more things on the causes, if that's all right. Um, so, chronic physical illness. So, a lot of people these days that, and chronic pain. You know, I see a lot of my patients that are in chronic pain will have chronic anxiety as well. Mm. And you can sort of understand that if you're chronically in pain, yeah. if you're having to take medication every day, that's causing, giving your brain fog and making you drowsy and stuff like that. Um, one thing that I do see. Or another example of chronic physical illness, another example is substance abuse. And this is where I sort of don't think substance abuse might contribute to the anxiety, but I think what happens for a lot of us with things like anxiety and stress, we all self-medicate to a certain degree. Mm. Like I see a lot of my clients, you know, when in the early days particularly, they'll come in and they're drinking four or five cups of coffee a day, but that, so that revs them up and that's going to exacerbate their anxiety. But then... They're having half a bottle of wine of a night time to calm back down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see other clients that you know just exercise twice a day and you know three times on a weekend. You know that's a form of trying to self medicate and make yourself feel better sometimes as well. I see other people that um, tend to overeat as a form of self medication. So oftentimes we can get away with these sorts of self medication for a long time, and then a crisis happens. And then we recognize that, hang on a minute, there's probably been a bit of anxiety running alongside all of this or underneath this for a long time. Robbie is with us and would like to talk to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Robbie. Hello, how are you? Well, thanks. That's good. Um, look, I've got a daughter, she's 20. Yes. Um, she's been, I've had, she's been ambulanced to the hospital. The other day they found her in a freezer at work. Um, it's diagnosed as anxiety. Yes. I, yeah. She's had... A uh, thing called, I think it's angulitis spondylitis. It's in a spine. Yep. Has diagnosed with too much codeine. Everything you're saying, yes. I'm just like listening to it and so relating, and and I feel helpless at times. And sometimes I think it might be hereditary. But we came from the old days where you just had to suck it up, take it and and harden up. But I know, I believe it probably is a little bit of hereditary. However. Is there a difference? I guess this is my question because a difference between depression and anxiety. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The two often get crossed over, mm-hmm. and um, there's definitely a combination, definitely a combination between the two, different parts of the brain. But often, people with anxiety will also have um, some some symptoms of depression as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you said, Mum, I'm not, I'm not depressed, but then in the next. It might be a week later, she's so over the pain that she's in and things like that. Yeah. And she does get this at work. Yes. Um, and I know I probably get it at work like everyone does, I guess, to a degree. But, uh, and then she'll be saying, Mum, I just don't want to go through this anymore. And, and she's, she's on the Gold Coast. I'm here on, on Newcastle area. And I just, you're just so far away and you don't know what to do. And I just wonder when you're talking about it, are they related? Is it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you like, Robbie, if um, if if I give you my work number, if that's okay, if you give me a ring when I get back to the office about two o'clock, 
I'll give you the name of someone that I think would be good for your daughter to see at the Gold Coast. Okay, that's great news. Hold on the line there, Robbie, and we'll get your details and pass that information on to you. So please hold on there, and we'll get all that information. Now, 23 to 1, let's continue. I wanted to ask you about uh, what we can do about this situation. Yeah, look, there's a lot of things we can do to help. And, um, you know, like Robbie's story, Robbie's daughter's story is, is a story that I do hear a lot, and people really do feel out of their out of their depth with something like this, particularly with our kids when you really want them just to be happy. Um the first step about it is getting an accurate diagnosis of actually what's going on, you know, and often that involves seeing your GP and maybe referral to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And then there's definitely options for options for treatment. Yeah. Um, so one of the, there was a good study done at a, at another university a few years back down in Melbourne. And um, it's looking at the significance or the relevance of using things like carver. So you know you're familiar with yeah, carver. I've heard so, about it. Yeah, yes, yeah, from from Fiji originally. So they in this study they compared carver with some of the um, benzodiazepines like Valium, and they found carver was safe to take, non toxic, and um, just as efficient, if not more efficient, than the benzodiazepines. But again, if if uh, all of these remedies that I'm talking about, like they're not really things you want to just go to the health food store and buy a truckload. You really need no. to see a qualified naturopath to get help with these sorts of supplements. Um, magnesium's another one as well. Um, I always think anyone struggling with anxiety and magnesium, um, sorry, anxiety and stress really needs to be taking, um, um, make good quality magnesium, uh, vitamin B complex and zinc. And I always love, um, fish oil for anything to do with mental health as well. And we've got Lynn joining us. Hello, Lynn. G'day, uh, Dave and hello. Peter. Peter, I couldn't think. Hello, Lynn. Um, I also suffer from anxiety and depression, but I don't realise. Now, when I've, I've had it basically all my life, from, yes. say, teenage onwards. Yes. And um, when I'm in a stressful situation or or unforeseen situation, I cope at the time, then I have a seizure afterwards. Okay. But, but fortunately now, for the first time ever, I haven't had a bad seizure for um, almost four years, and that's never happened before. Fantastic. So you're getting dev- definitely getting better management with it, you feel? Because I don't realise until too late. Yeah, okay. Um, at times, I and the, the doctors I go to now don't realise, I don't think. And at one stage, I said I feel a little depressed and they dismissed it. Sure, and that, sure. So that was last year. But, you know, my health um, lately... For, for a while has been absolutely fantastic. That is that is awesome to hear because you can we can survive and we can get better from these conditions. So thank you so much for your call, Lynn. Now, Peter, you have your top five lifestyle changes for anxiety. Can you share absolutely, those? Absolutely, absolutely. Learning to meditate. Yes, I find, and there's some great apps available. Like, um, and you can get on those for free. Um, healthy sleep patterns. You know, and a lot of people with anxiety don't sleep well, so that's a big thing that we focus on from a naturopath point of view. Exercise, as always, 30 minutes, five times a week. Um, healthy diet and reducing burdens on the body. Like 
a lot of people, you know, if they've got leaky gut, if they've got liver stress, if they've got food allergy or food intolerances, the great thing is that if you fix up a lot of these other concomitant problems, the anxiety will actually be less. So we go about trying to improve the health as much as possible and, you know, the the anxiety will settle down and then specific targeted treatments as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Now, also tonight, uh, natural remedies to keep well this winter, which is great for as we start to get these cooler nights. Absolutely. We've got a few seats left available for our talk tonight on natural remedies to keep well. And um, next week, we've got an awesome talk on stress and adrenal fatigue, and I will be touching on anxiety as well. So that's on next Tuesday night. And some information about a blog. Do you have a blog on the topic we've been talking about, anxiety, at mullenhealth.com.au? We do. We've got blogs on there, and if people want to know more about the talks on stress and adrenal fatigue, all that information will be on our website as well. Okay, so we urge you to visit that, mullenhealth.com.au. Have a look at the uh, the information that's put up there. The blogs are very enlightening, and it will cover the information that we spoke about today. We'll look forward to your company again next Tuesday from midday.